Hey everybody, welcome to Don't Listen, the podcast you're not supposed to be listening to. Um, I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing. But anyways, uh, I'm going to be smoking weed and drinking beer, and I'm going to tell you a couple stories. The stories are going to be random, it's going to meander, and you're going to waste your fucking time. So, good luck with all that. But anyways... I'm currently in uh, Massachusetts, and it's pouring rain outside, and uh, I'll tell you, it's one fucking dreary Sunday, man, so this coronavirus thing's happening, and everything's just a bummer out there, so I figured, fuck it, I'll talk to somebody, even if it has to be myself, so anyways, I hope you're not listening to this, um, because, you know, you're really wasting your time, but, uh, to continue, um, first item of business today is uh, I called in to the sub place I always call into, right? So, I mean, I really like the food there, and I order from there all the time. And I found that the Western Omelet Sub is seven fifty. It's a large Western Omelet Sub, so you got, you know, a Western Omelet cheese, all that, thrown on a sub, toasted bread, salt and pepper, yada, 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 $7.50, $7.50. It has ham, it has onions, peppers, and mushrooms in it. Then there is the uh, ham and cheese omelet sub, is also $7.50. If you order that, but you would like your ham and cheese sub to have onions in it, it's now like... 825 or something. It's like 75 cents for an extra topic. So you just order the fucking Western omelet sub and ask for two less vegetables and it will be 750 still. I, I just, I don't know. I don't understand how that fucking shit makes sense. It, I mean, there was, at one point, there was a time I remember going to McDonald's and it was like, uh, you could get like 12 chicken nuggets for like $6 or like, I, uh, six piece for 99 cents, you know what I mean, like, so it's like, I could get like fucking 32 chicken nuggets or something right now for the same price, but uh, either way, alright guys, uh, I'm gonna smoke a bowl, and then I'm gonna talk to you more about absolutely fucking nothing, woo, woo, an imminent severe weather alert, uh, how about that one, there's lightning flashing outside, I wasn't expecting that, uh, like for real. I wonder how bad it's going to be. Looks like the street is fucking soaked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely pouring out there. Holy shit. Oh, my God. There's like a, there's like a river going down the street. It's like a flash flood. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm in Brockton, Massachusetts. Uh, real dirty town, but a uh, place with some history. It's where um, a few famous boxers are from. Rocky Marciano, uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, all that stuff. Um, called the City of Champions, but if you were to come here, it is not the impression you would get from the area. It's a, it's a little rundown, uh, but but not not a bad place to live in Massachusetts if you're looking to save a buck because it's, it's a real expensive place. Damn. Enjoy a good storm. Let me see. Open a window over here. I gotta smoke, anyways. Gonna hit the bond piece. But uh, yeah, I was gonna spare you guys listening to me in silence or in bubbling while I smoke. So, <coughs> um, oh yeah, yeah, it's coming down good out there. It's my backyards, all trees. Not all trees. I'm in Brockton. It's a city, but you know. Nice out. Looks nice. It's all green and pouring rain. Alright. Welcome back to Don't Listen. The podcast you're not supposed to be listening to. What the fuck are you doing? I took a little smoke break. I took a couple hits out of the bong. And also my phone was buzzing because there's some kind of a 
imminent weather alert, even though the weather is already here. It's kind of like, it's fucking raining outside. It's like, yeah, I fucking know it's fucking raining outside. I can fucking see it out my window, but thank you for going into my fucking phone. But anyways, so to continue, um, I don't know, I got like a, uh, a notebook in front of me with a couple of wicked depressing stories that I don't want to tell it. I don't know why anybody would want to hear this stuff. Um, so let's see. Yeah, this one's not depressing. This is just a joke. Uh, so like you ever take a shit, right? And as, as I guess this one would only really apply to men. I don't think a, a female might get this unless, you know, you can apply it to your, your boyfriend or whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, you ever take a shit and then you look down and it's like this big fucking dump. Like this fucking log. I mean, we're talking like, you know, like a 10-incher or something. Like, like epic. Fucking yardstick just fell out of you. And, uh, <laughs> you gotta look at that thing and be like, you know, unless you're some kind of a monster, unless, you, unless you're, you're some freak of nature, you gotta look at that thing and be like, that's bigger than my dick. That just came out of me. I think I could handle myself. And it's, you know, it's emasculating. It's like, you know, you're sitting there in your own bathroom looking down at your fucking shit, and you're like, this is, this is not where I want to be in life thinking about this right now. But, you know, the mind wanders, as they say. Right, anyways, that was like the most lighthearted thing. I have all these stories about this friend of mine, uh, Joel, from back in the day. So I was going to take up a podcast to, you know, go through his life a little bit and tell some stories about him. Uh, he's a very interesting guy that passed away when I was 23 years old, um, 38 today. Um, but he's a friend I still think of all the time. And it's it's really <laughs> the stories about him. Uh, he's very, he was a very silly guy. Uh, he's a very intelligent guy. And he, he, was, he was a man of, of, like, unbelievable, like, just morals and all that. I mean, he very misunderstood. <clears throat> uh, he was a great friend of mine. And when I was young, I was not the most popular kid in school. And he, um, he always just kind of like was that class clown, always just getting attention. People laughed at everything he said in class and and uh, I remember seeing him all through, I moved to Whitman, Massachusetts in the fourth grade. And uh, I, I, I spent that time when I first got there, I only made a couple friends. And we were really close. And it was these guys, uh, Josh and Joey, these two kids. And we did sleepovers and all that. And we were friends for a couple of years. And then sixth grade rolled around and middle school came about. And I don't know, I, I got less cool, maybe a little bit chubbier. Maybe the glasses got a little bit thicker. You know, all that stuff. And, uh, excuse me, just taking a sip of my beer. You know, so I kind of found myself in a situation where I was, I was now, uh, the, the third wheel in a, in a childhood friendship. You know, they, there was like, they didn't even want to hang out with me. And to the point where they literally confronted me about it to make sure that I knew that I was not their friend as much as they were friends. I was definitely, like, third man out. And just the fact that they took a second to, you know, tell me that, I was thinking, all right, well, these guys fucking probably don't like me at all. So, that day that I heard that in the lunchroom, he told me as me and, me and Joey were throwing our trays away, uh, or throwing our food away, which we actually were fucking punks. We used to throw our trays in the trash because we were little shits. Uh, but <clears throat> that was um, ooh, Holt Elementary School, Whitman, Massachusetts. It's torn down today. It's now a police station. But uh, the, the, the confrontation where I was let be known I wasn't such a great friend to them or whatever sent me walking back by myself. I, I split off from Joey. I was just going to like sit alone, but I decided to sit with this class clown. Because he just sits there around whoever and just makes a bunch of noise and he's wicked funny. So I went over to him and I just sat next to him. And he kind of looked at me like I had three heads because, you know, I was this dorky kid that was a pretty easy target. And uh, instead of making fun of me, for some reason, he was really nice to me. And I'll never understand why he made that decision 
or what it was he he saw in me because he he kind of picked on everybody. So I, I thought that was really cool that you know we, we just instantly became friends. Uh, maybe it was just being an outsider or whatever it was, but for some reason his his way of being outside was was acceptable. Like people saw him and they laughed and and they got along with him. People saw me and they were like turned off by my appearance. Like again, I mean. And, you know, the braces are coming and all that stuff. I just, I was, and, you know, that that's the kind of thing that affects you a lot when you're young. But it, it doesn't really matter. But now, when I look back on it, I, you know, I just think it was it was an incredible act of kindness on his part. Because he was kind of a little shit. So, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what, what got into him that day that he decided to take me under his wing. But we became great friends. And, uh... <sighs> We were kind of delinquents in school, and we got into trouble, and we used to get detention. It was called the D-Room, where you'd have to stay after school, and eventually you'd get in-school suspensions, and they'd just stick you in a room all day with the other bad kids. And meanwhile, every time either him or I were in a class, we, we did excellent on tests and all that. We were constantly scolded by our teachers and given a hard time, and, you know... What, look at, I really wish we didn't get each other so amped up back then, but it was fun. It was a good time. They're good memories, but at the same time, uh, we were both too smart for all that. So, uh, when I think about Joel and I think about school, I always looked at him as kind of like the bad one out of the two of us, like the one that was getting in more trouble. He'd throw food at the janitor at lunch break. He'd roll up a magazine into a cone and yell through it like a megaphone. Whatever stupid shit came into his head whenever we were supposed to be quiet. Uh, he always had some kind of a thing going. He would mess with the teacher's stuff if they weren't in the room. Uh, and we had like half of our classes together and I was like a sidekick. So... I used to fuck around a real, real lot. I mean, I, I, whatever whatever I thought would make him laugh, I would do. But it was, you know, him taking the lead. Every time we got in trouble, it was something Joel had done. So I was getting a little pent up, and I wanted to prove myself like I was also that, that kind of a badass, you know. And uh, one day we were in the, the, the lavatory, the, the, the bathroom. I don't know why I just used that word, lavatory. Like, I didn't even say that fucking like at least three decades anyways excuse me anyways uh, me and Joel were in there in the bathroom and there was a hall monitor like a teacher not a student uh, he was Mr. Loopy and actually he was our health teacher he was out in the hallway and he would only release a couple kids into the bathroom at a time so that people wouldn't toss around but Mr. Loopy wasn't familiar with me and Joel's friendship or whatever, he just didn't think anything of it, didn't know that two boys could cause so much trouble so fast. So we went in the bathroom, and neither one of us even had to go, really. What we were in there to do is, and this is before the days, I mean, you understand, people now film things on their cell phones, like they, they, they do this to get a reaction and have people see it. Um, and we, we didn't have cell phones, this was, this was the 90s. So, uh, <laughs> we were just doing it to be shits and see it. And we were, um, you take, you coil out enough of the toilet paper out of the roll and feed it into the toilet. And then you hit the flusher and it starts actually sucking the paper right off the roll without breaking it off. If you, if you get enough weight, you know, if you get it right, it's just, it can't be too taut at first. And then it starts pulling it and, you know, either way we're sitting there trying to get it going. And it's, it's pulling the toilet paper out of the thing, and we're fucking throwing it in there, we're flushing it over and over, and we're being funny. And we're on our way out, and we're jamming the fucking sinks, and turning on all the all the faucets and all that. Just like I said, just being awful. We were in seventh grade. Uh, and I saw this little, this little spigot coming out of the wall, like a, a little, it's a little, little tap on the wall. And I mean, I swear, I shit you not. I didn't think for even a second before I just stomped on it. I just saw it. I was like, we're in here causing destruction. We're doing things. 
and I just stomped on it. And when I stomped on that thing, I, I'm not exaggerating. I've never seen anything like this. It, it, when I when I hit the when I broke that water fired out of there like I had just unleashed a, a complete fire hydrant out of the wall and and it was like shocking and the wall the water is smashing off the opposite wall it's like a jet and I'm on one side and Joel's on the other and he jumps across and it sprays his whole leg and he just looked at me with this whole kind of a face like like the kind of face where it's like, I can't believe you just fucking did that, you know? And I couldn't fucking believe it either. I couldn't believe that just fucking happened. And now it's smashing off the wall. I'm our, the health teacher, Mr. Lupian. I'm monitor, monitoring the lavatory. Hits the door open because he hears the incredible sound of crashing water off the other wall. And he pushes it open and he is like, holy fuck, get out of there. Who did this? I immediately owned up to it. There's been some times in my life where I've been really fearful of getting in trouble. But if it comes down to a really good friend and the authorities and all that, you know, I'll do the right thing. And I, instead of just going, I don't know what happened, I confessed immediately. You know, of course. Of course. Same thing Joel would have done. So, when... Uh, they, they had me immediately put me into the office and there was like a room in there with a copier and all that. They had me go sit in there by myself and I, I didn't hear about all this till later, but all hell's breaking loose out there. Like they had to call in every janitor that's ever worked at that company ever. Uh, I mean, apparently there was a small army in there trying to clean up my vest because the water came out so fast and they didn't know that whoever was on duty or whatever didn't know how to fucking shut it off or something. So to, to the extent where it came out for a long time before anybody got to it. Um, and in the meantime, it just was pouring out. And I mean, this was, this bathroom's right next to the, the cafeteria and cafeteria had like, like literally was like a sitting puddle. Like, the whole cafeteria filled. Uh, it was the end of lunch, so it was the bell was about to ring to get the students out of there and everything. But, I mean, we're talking... I mean, I, I fucking flooded the school. So, I sat and I waited and I waited. And, I mean, I was just so nervous. And I had the, uh, the school principal, uh, Mr. McGoodwin. Mr. McGoodwin sat me down. And explained to me, you know, that this is an expellable offense and all that. And you must have done it on purpose. That thing's not made out of paper mache. And I, I mean, I didn't know what to do. I just started babbling. I just started talking. So, uh, yeah, no, I know. I was just kind of like messing around. And, I, and, and I'm so sorry. And I was being a jerk. And, 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 and I stepped on it. And, 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 uh, and you know, I didn't know. Because, like, I, I just thought maybe, like, I could, like, jump across the top of it. And, like, I didn't know, like, like you know. He could tell I was scared. <laughs> so he hands me down a, uh, a week suspension. And I get home. And I have to explain it to my mother. And she is fucking pissed because she's this single mom waitress with no money. And she thinks I just fucking cost her, like, the, the bill of the century from the school. And I got this slip that she has to sign that explains what I did. I explained to her I'm going to be fucking home all week. She was, like, through the roof irritated with me to the point where instead of grounding me, was great, great motherly uh, prowess here. Instead of grounding me, she kicked me out of the house for the week. Uh, like, you know, I was still allowed to sleep there. She just didn't want to see my ass over the day. Go fucking do something. I don't want to fucking see you. Go fucking do something. So, you know, she was not at work. Uh, I was not to be at home. And uh, that was for the week. I went down to the local comic book store that I always hung out at and the owners were always kind to me, and I hung out there and just shot the shit all day, uh, you know, looking like a, a little punk because I'm all of, I don't know, 12 years old, just walking around town doing nothing with myself. I uh, never once stopped by a truant officer or anything. It's like, not that kind of world or whatever. 
And, uh, yeah, anyways, I told you this would meander. I'm sorry. Uh, continuing, the finale, the grand finale of the me breaking the little pipe story in the bathroom and flooding the whole fucking school is that my mother gets the bill. The bill comes, <laughs> shit in my pants, I don't know what to do. It's the day. The letter's here. Do I hide it from her? She's going to get sued. I don't know. So, she opens it, looks it over, $12. They literally charged her for, like, the spigot I broke off. Like, none of the fucking janitors coming in, none of the bullshit, none of it. So, either way, do you think I learned any type of lesson from this? Other than it only cost 12 bucks to do probably the craziest thing you've ever done in school, ever? No. Did I get punished? No. Uh, did Joel find that incredibly hilarious? Yes, he did. This was now the most legendary prank we had done in our, in our friendship, you know, in our, in our prankster history. So, that was it. It was solidified. Now he had to top me. Alright. Yeah, just took another bong break. Uh, a little frequent this evening. A lot of evenings, a lot of nights like this, uh, lately. I mean, you know, the times we're living in with the coronavirus and all that, I'm really uh, losing my shit to the point where I'm talking to myself on a podcast. So, welcome back to Don't Listen, the podcast you're not supposed to be listening to. And shame on you if you made it this far. There's something wrong with you. I'll tell you that. I know you can hear me. You know there's something wrong with me. You know there's a lot of things wrong with me. But let me tell you something right now. There's something wrong with you. Alright, well, let me continue. So, this friend of mine, Joel, and I, I was uh, now now on his par of being a little fucking punk, causing trouble, up to no good. Nothing to be proud of, of course. But uh, it was a different time and place for me, in my mind. I wasn't that happy of a kid, to be honest, but that's besides the point. I explained before, you know. Didn't have high self-esteem at the time. And I felt pretty good when I was with my buddy, fucking around, doing whatever. So, one big problem, one big roadblock for, for my friendship with Joel was that he was a Jehovah's Witness. I mean, he wasn't. His family was a Jehovah's Witness. His family was, like, literally, like, the knock-on-your-door, like, full-blown, fully-dedicated... Jehovah's Witness, like, a big deal. Like, that is who they are as people. Now, <laughs> an interesting thing I'll tell you, and I maybe this is, like, too much for the story even, but whatever. No one's ever going to hear this. Um, Joel's uncle, swear to God, is Steve Smith, the drummer for Journey. He's from Whitman, Massachusetts. You can Google that. Steve Smith, drummer for Journey. So... Joel's parents, like his his father's side, they were like these like you know wild partying dudes. Like Joel's dad wasn't around, and his mom settled down with another like minded or whatever. I don't know how the fucking Jehovah's Witness thing happened between them, but either way, Joel had the stepdad, and Joel's stepdad and Joel's mother were hardcore Jehovah's Witnesses. Now this created a major problem. Like, he was not supposed to be, like, hanging out with me for whatever reason, according to their things. And as we got into more and more trouble in school, as we kept fucking around, you know, we pushed the janitor's cot. I don't know what was our problem with janitors, because, like, that is... That was the worst person to pick on. You know what it was? <laughs> it's because they tough-talked us. You know, like, we'd stop fucking with them, and they'd, like... They'd stop fucking with us back. They weren't like, they didn't act like the teachers. So, when they'd like talk shit back at us, we'd, we'd, we'd get going. Like, 
I remember one time Joel was fucking with one of them, and he was like, hey, you're barking up the wrong tree, and we started barking at him, and he started barking at us, and it like, I mean, this is literally like an adult <laughs> with these kids, and we're going back and forth, like, we had nicknames for all of them, Janet and Bob Cheesehead, you know, there was all these stupid, stupid, stupid seventh grade antics that we were up to. And so we're we're battling with those guys, <laughs> we're causing trouble in classes, and the teachers and the whatever people had enough of it. It was it was it was a trend. So as we went on, we started getting like separated, like they didn't want us hanging out in school together. And uh, what we did is we would we we had detentions often, and we'd have to stay after school for an hour. And we were in middle school at the time. I understand. I'm probably, I'm probably actually fucking up a couple schools here and there. I went to Holt Elementary, Whitman Middle School. Uh, yeah, I got I got dumped like a bag of trash by my old friends right around end of elementary into middle, and then Joel took me in. And and at some point in there, again, this is a long time ago. I have a fantastic memory, but I was I was a young boy, and um, so. We're not allowed to hang out. We're not allowed to hang out in school because we're troublemakers and we're like a, a shitty dynamic duo just pissing everybody off. And we're not allowed to hang out outside of school because of his Jehovah's Witness mom. So what we start doing is we start, after we stay after school and even days where we, we wouldn't stay after school, we would skip the bus home. Uh, I had no consequences my mother did not care what I did with my time. She just did not give a fuck. So it was really like, you know, Joel had to be like this covert operative, you know, to, to be able to hang out. And, you know, we made it work. And we, we'd walk home. And the, we he lived on a street in Whitman near the center of town, which was, was fairly far away from the middle school. We'd walk back. We'd we got in a snowball fight with one of our teachers once. You know, we would, we'd have fun. We'd horse around on, on the road. <sighs> Mr. Thrasher, environmental science. That was a nice guy. One of the only teachers that lived in town uh, when we went to Whitman. Whitman Hanson, this was. Because by high school, Joel and I were hanging out in that way only. No classes together. None. Weren't to be in a class together. That was it. We're now in ninth grade. We're in Whitman Hanson. We're, we're, we're getting older. You know, we're, we're 14. We're, we're dummies. And uh, the only time I ever see him is in a lunch. We had a lunch together. And honestly, I didn't want to act up in it. Because I was afraid that if they discovered we were in it together, that we wouldn't be able to eat together anymore. Uh... <clears throat> So, we had our share of this and that over that time. Uh, we both did not enjoy the school experience uh, for our own reasons. Neither one of us had that great of a family life. Uh, and, you know, things got in the way, things got distracting. And I made my little group of friends, and Joel dropped out, and I didn't see him anymore. And, you know, later on, when... Uh, When I thought back on people I wanted to see, Joel just stuck in my mind constantly. I didn't see him for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half. And I was working at Petco. I was 18. I just got my 1990 Regal Buick. Thing looked like an old lady car, but it was actually really fast. Had a digital speedometer, all that. It was. It was. I, I felt like I was chilling like a villain. Had the had the uh, the bench seats in the front. Uh, you could see comfortably sit six people on this fucking thing, and it was like a quick quick ride. People people loved it, and I had just gotten it. And I was working at Petco, and I was working the register, and uh, lo and behold, who owns the snake? But my friend Joel. And he comes in looking like Joel. Like, couldn't believe. Just, here he is. 
And he's like, hey, man, what's up? Oh, you work here? Yeah, cool, man. I mean, I had just, I had not been there that long. I'd been there for like three months or something. I hadn't bumped into him yet. Uh, and we got to talking, and he was telling me he was living in Hanson, and he had his own place. And I was like, what do you mean you have your own place, you know? Because, I mean, I was, I didn't even know how he could possibly afford something like that. But he, he was working at a car wash in Weymouth. And he had he had built up enough money, and he got himself a, a little place in Hanson, a little little. It was a a rented one floor, tiny like three room house. I mean, this is the smallest house you've ever seen. Uh, has an addition on top of it today. Right on Route Fifty Eight in Hanson, and um, <laughs> we. He told me he had this place, and he was made going to come over and all that. I'm like, holy shit. Like, this kid was, was under lockdown his entire childhood, and now all of a sudden he can, like, hang out and do things. This is cool. So, you know, I literally went over there, I think, that night, uh, at least very, very, very soon afterwards. I think it was that night. And we started hanging out. Now... Joel had attracted quite the crowd. He had met a lot of kids from Rockland, uh, a nearby town. Um, town sort of like the town I live in right now, Brockton. They're near each other and similar. They're both a little bit worse than Whitman and Hanson, the town that I lived in growing up. And um, so he has all these friends, and they're, they're funny, and they're wild, and they're abundant, he's got a bunch of them, I go over there, the house is packed, everybody's partying, I, I can hardly even find a place to park, because it's like, it's in the worst spot ever, it's on this like dead man's curve, like this like 25 mile an hour that everybody whips around going 50 curve, right in the middle of fucking Hanson on Route 58. <laughs> Uh, again, none of this matters. I told you this would meander, and if you're not from around here, you have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. But anyways, um, and I, I understand I'm umming and but anyways-ing you every two seconds, I shouldn't have pointed it out. To continue. your time listening to this. Again, it's your own damn fault. It's the podcast called Don't Listen. Don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just telling stupid stories about nothing. But to continue the meander. So, this great friend of mine, Joel, that had finally gained some kind of freedom from the weird-ass Sorry, cult society. That was the Jehovah's Witness situation he had going on. He, uh... <laughs> this group of kids he had over there, they were so funny, and they were they were getting fucked up. And, I mean, I was literally, like, just starting to, like, think about experimenting with drugs. Like, I had smoked pot for the first time recently. I had a... Well, all right. Let me go back a little deeper. I did I did do psychedelics when I was fairly young, which could explain a little bit more about me than I should reveal. But uh, that was one part of me that um, I felt like wasn't didn't even count or something. Like I was allowed to do psychedelics, so like I did like mushrooms and stuff. And then when I hit um, this era. I wanted to get fucked up with my buddy from high school. I thought it was funny that he was doing stuff. And he started um, taking pills. And not like prescription, like over-the-counter pills. Like, this is coracidin. This is stuff you can you go buy off the shelf. Alright, and his uh, dextromethaphen hydrobromide was the ingredient in it. DXM. Very popular rage... Uh, in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, of people robo-tripping, which is when they drank, like, Robitussin. Well, this pill, Coracidin, was for people that were congested with high blood pressure, and it had this expectorant in it called dextromethorphan that was really, really strong. I mean, you want to talk about 
getting really fucked up. That was a drug you could get really fucked up on. And it seemed so stupid. You just had to take a lot of it. Each pill only had 30 milligrams, and you had to dose, like, you know, 300 milligrams to feel something. So you had to be swallowing, like, 10 of these stupid pills. And even that wasn't, like, the true boost for an experienced drug user. Now, at the time, it wasn't experienced, so it didn't really take that much. And <laughs> Joel was like, hey, do you want to get really fucked up, like, for real? And I was like, like, what do you mean? And he shows me this, and I'm thinking he's joking, because it's like fucking cough medicine. So, I end up taking it with him. And I, I swallow a lot of it. And at first, I think it's doing nothing, but then I realize I'm not, like, moving. I'm like, I, I realize my head is on the arm of the couch, and I'm not sitting straight up. And then... This girl, Rachel, that I actually knew from Whitman, who was over there, because I said this was like a party house. This was fucking 40 people in this house, and it was a tiny, tiny little place. So it was packed inside, everybody outside, you know, middle of the summer, all that. And she's like, can you hang right now? And I sprung up real quick, like trying to be Mr. Cool. And I swear, I thought I fucking teleported to another galaxy when I moved my head that fast. That was a major mistake. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. You know, I was, I was fucking on another planet. I couldn't believe how fucked up I got. And the whole night was great. And then the morning rolls around. And, I mean, I wasn't really participating in the drinking that much. And I was so fucked up from what I had already done. But they had been pounding beers all night, like Joel and his friends. And then the morning rolled around, and they're out of everything. Everything's gone. Everybody stayed up all the way through the night. I was tripping balls. They were fucked up. Joel was tripping and drunk. Uh, and so Joel's like, yeah, I can get, I can get free Dunkin' Donuts from this friend of mine down the street. We just have to go, we just have to go down the street, get, get free Dunkin' Donuts from a friend of mine. So we all load up in my fucking Regal Buick. And I'm not all, just some, some alumni. We had uh, Pelican Pete, who had a big long nose. Uh, I won't share his last name. Another guy, a uh, big guy, real big guy named John, who was one of Joel's tight friends that I met that night. Uh, and <laughs> the four of us, and some other kid, anyways, it's all besides the point, again, meander, we all drive up to this Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm like, oh, Joel, is this one? No, 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 go up here, go up here, go up here, he keeps doing that, and eventually I find myself, like, getting out of Hanson, and I'm like, are you kidding me, man, what are we going to Pembroke, where are we going? We're going to Kingston, so we go to Kingston. To get Dunkin' Donuts. We're going there to get free food because, you know, we're losers. We don't have anything at the time. Uh, Joel's using all of his money to pay his rent. I'm using all my money to pay my car insurance and whatever. I, may, I worked at Petco. Uh, and we're, we're over there. We go up to this Kingston Dunkin' Donuts. It's inside a gas station. He goes in and he asks, asks for whoever. Whoever, hey, is whoever working? Whatever, some female's name. And they're like, no. And he's like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, man, oh. And he looks over at me like, oh, dude, I fucked up. Like, oh, no. And I'm like, all right, Joel, let's just get out of here. And he's like, what? He takes like six steps backwards and trips over the stack of newspapers that was put out to be put up on the shelf. It was like still tied up, still bundled up. Entwine, and he walks over them and fucking eats it. Falls on his ass right in the middle of the store. He's being all loud. He's hysterically laughing, and it's reminding me of like fucking around with him in gym class when we'd play badminton, and he would just like fall on the ground and giggle while I would try to pull him up, and he would purposely make his body go limp so I couldn't pick him up. And for for a second, we're in the store at like eighteen years old. After a night of partying, and it's, I felt like we were in fucking middle school again. 
And it was just funny. But he was pissing me off a little bit because I didn't want us to get in trouble. And uh, we, we got up. And uh, we, we continued on outside. And he was very stumbly. It was real hard to get him to the car. And he was really making a scene. And all his friends had already made it back there. And they're like, Joel, let's go. And Joel whips his dick out and pisses on the back rear tire of my car. I said he absolutely, absolutely had to go. Can't do anything about it. Now, when I say whip his dick out, it was not visible. He, <laughs> that's just really how the, how the story has to go because that's, that's what the offense is going to be here. Uh, he, he pees on the rear, rear wheel of my vehicle. And after he gets it all out, he gets in the car, and he looks like he's, you know, settled down some. And we pull up the road, and we get pulled over by fucking half the cops in Kingston, of course. So, <laughs> they all have us pulled over, I'm kissing their ass. I'm not really any type of inebriated anymore, you know. Like, everything had worn off for me, and again, I hadn't been drinking. So I was fine, and they could tell that, which was fantastic. Joel was not fine. Joel's eyes were vibrating in his skull. He looked fucking out of it. And they were like, what is he on? And the cops were wicked mean to us. But, again, we were punk kids fucking around in their town. We had no business. All that. Don't, don't hold any ill will towards the cops. They were very angry at us, though. And uh, they knew John, the big guy that was with us already. And they were kind of going to him to get the lowdown. Uh, they ended up arresting Joel uh, for pissing in their town. But they didn't press any charges on him. Like, ultimately, I think he got uh, PC'd, protective custody. He got released after he was done being really drunk. So, now it's kind of this new chapter, right? Like, I had got fucked up with him. And I had a great time with him, despite how the night had ended. And I had these other really close friends of mine I had grown up with. And I went to them. And we were, you know, so we were starting to fuck around. We were starting to get a little, a little wild. We had a cool little group of friends going. And I had these two guys I'd grown up with, Ronnie and Adam, that were really my, my truly my best friends. They were the guys um, I could tell you another million stories about, but they were my outside of school friends. They were the people I had met over my life that I played in the neighborhood with and were always, were always cool to me, um, you know, and then Ronnie was in a different grade and Adam was always in different classes, but when we got older, we were a clique, we hung out constantly and we recruited others and we made a nice solid group of friends, like the hippie years came about, the fun times, the good times, the salad days, and, uh, I wanted them to have fun with Joel. I thought it would be really cool for all of them to hang out. And Adam knew him from school a little. And um, we, we, we all got together, and I got him together with Joel. And we started getting fucked up together. And we did whatever we wanted to do. And we ran into all kinds of fun stuff. And we got friends from Boston. And we, we met people all around. And I ended up doing whatever we wanted for a long time. And it was really fun. And uh, there were some bad nights, and there were some good nights, and there were some funny times, and there were some serious times. And when it hit the bad times, was towards the end of all of it, maybe... We'd all been hanging out for maybe a couple years. And Joel had been crashing at friends' places and doing what he could do. Uh, because he had himself a night. He had himself a night. When he was living in that place in Hanson, and being irresponsible and fucking around, he was driving home a girl he was dating in a pickup truck, and it was raining out. And he went around the corner a little too fast, or whatever the fuck he was doing. So the kid was actually an amazing driver, but I'll tell you, he fucked up, because he got in an accident that night. He swirled out of control. 
Uh, now, this uh, broke a girl's leg, this accident. This is not good. This is, a, this is a big red mark. And Joel had been working, goddamn, 60, 70 hours a week at this car wash, like you wouldn't believe. And over time, he had built up a lot of money, and he'd been doing pretty good for himself. So he had a little nest egg and all that. But when he did this, he lost his license. He lost his ability to get around and do anything. <laughs> he had to pay fines up the ass. Uh, they actually found him not at fault, ultimately, somehow. His insurance, he got some kind of payout from it. And for like two years, he didn't have to like worry about money. But he like had no way to situate himself. He just flopped around from place to place to place. He got a job at a sub shop. Uh, he ran out of a little bit of money he had. Things got worse and worse. Uh, he ended up sleeping in a tent outside of a friend of ours. A friend of ours was living at um, Waterford Village in Bridgewater. Like this um, little gated community. To go in there, you had to like say say uh, what building you were going to and what apartment number. Like, oh, I'm going to building uh, 7, apartment 23, or vice versa, or whatever. Basically, you just had to know a person that lived there. Say their apartment building name and get it. And we had our friend Stan. We'd say his parents' name. <coughs> then we'd go right through on the gate and hang out in there. And, you know, it was good because it wasn't patrolled by the police. It was a gated community. And as long as we weren't loud or crazy or anything, we could sit and, like, smoke poles in our car and all that. And then Stan would go home. <coughs> and Joel would go off into the woods and sleep in the tent. And this lasted for a while. Eventually, the police found out he was doing that. And they went to his tent. And he wasn't there. But he had his ID in there. He had, like, some weed paraphernalia and some other random little goodies or whatever. And they went in and they took all his stuff. And they just left his license sitting face up. Like, hey... We know who you are. Get the fuck out of here before we come back. Which, you know, better than the alternative, to be honest. So, Joel had to leave there. He had to figure something out. And we were all doing our best for him, but again, none of us were in great circumstances. And this time period is fuzzy, because we lived all different places and did all different things over the course of this. Uh, but mostly, I was still staying home with my mom, you know? I, uh, I lived in Randolph for a period, and then I came back there, and I had no place for him. I didn't know what to do for him. And he meets these kids in Bridgewater, this, this rugby team for Bridgewater State College. And they're, like, wild. He's walking by there one day. <laughs> they're out front playing wiffle ball in front of their place. And it's like, it's like, it's like, a, like a frat house almost. Like, it's all college kids staying there. And Joel's just walking by and playing wiffle ball, and he just stops, stops up a conversation. And I, I wasn't there for this, but I could attest to the kid's charisma. He was he was one of a kind, and whatever he just they just loved him immediately. And all of a sudden, he's calling me like, "Hey, man, I'm, I'm crashing at this place in Bridgewater. I was pumped for him. I, oh my god, he found a place to stay. You know, I thought that was great. So I went over and and visited, and it was great." I mean, it was perfect for the time and the place, and he got a little job at a gas station down the street, and things were going better, but I'll tell you, they, they, were, they were weird. They were, they, were, they were good kids, but I felt like Joel was more of like a, uh, like a mascot for them, or, or some kind of an amusement, not necessarily like a real person, and I felt like they were consistently pushing them to be worse and worse, and... I was getting real selfish right at that same time. A whole nother tale about me and this girl that was with a friend of mine, a different friend. Uh, this whole this whole other ball of wax. Got real selfish. Got real self-involved. I didn't see Joel much over that period of time. And I kept... He, he was dating this girl, Caitlin, that he was real in love with. And 
things were going a lot better for him, and I don't know. I just thought he was kind of okay, uh, and we, we didn't talk so much. I didn't see him so much, which was weird, because, I mean, this kid was, like, literally my blood brother, literally, and we, we were, we were tight. Not seeing him was, was a trip, but at the same time, my self-absorption at that time, I figured fucking time's everlasting, right? You move on, you move forward, and I'll see him later. See you later, buddy. Catch you on down the trail, just like when we met up uh, after high school and started partying and doing drugs together and having all that fun that we had for all those years. Oh, well, I'll see you in a bit, my old friend. And that that's, that's you know, that's how a story goes sometimes. The last time I ever saw him was uh, in a uh, movie theater in Randolph. And he was with some other girl, not Caitlin, which I thought was weird. Because Caitlin was another great friend of mine, and I, just, I liked them together a lot. And I didn't like seeing him with some random girl that wasn't Caitlin. I figured that might not be a great sign. And he looked at me with almost like puppy dog eyes. You know, like, we gotta hang out, man. And Seriously, his eyes were, they were saucers. His pupils, or he was on something, you know, his pupils were, were big. And uh, I just looked at him, and I was like, man, yeah, we'll do something. You know, hit me up, and talk, and all that. And then that was it. And flash forward to my own self-absorbed life, I break up with this girl. None of that ever mattered. I moved on, I moved forward. I moved to a new apartment, got myself somewhere in life somewhat got a job at a landscaping company and started working hard and after not seeing Joel for about six months, ten months, who knows, but less than a year either way, uh, I got a call from Adam, a good friend of mine that I mentioned earlier that I'd grown up with and he told me that Joel had passed away and that uh, he had possibly overdosed on heroin or something, they weren't really sure. Uh, and he had been living in Rockland, one of the not-so-great towns that I described earlier. And he had been hanging out with a cousin of Pelican Pete. And uh, the guy was dealing drugs out of his place, and Joel was doing them with him, and all that. And I, and I looked back on all that, and I remembered all the, all the times that him and I would talk late night, and he would describe the desperation he had to me. And <laughs> I felt the same thing in so many ways myself, but I never had it as rough as him, as him at the time. Like, I never understood truly what he was going through until later in my life. I never really got how bad it was and how, and how dark it was for him. And I'll never know if he wanted that to happen to him or not, if that was Joel's purpose, uh, purposeful action, or if that was just something that just happened because he was just like, I don't even give a fuck anymore. Uh, whoops, I OD'd, because assholes like to test their limit. Uh, but he was a great man, an asshole, and uh, somebody I'll always think about. And I have a billion funny stories, but this was a night to talk about nothing on a podcast you're not supposed to be listening to. So shame on you. What the fuck are you doing? And uh, maybe I'll talk to you again sometime. Nobody.